Predictions are dangerous. We absolutely need more inventory. The Fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation. That cash has dried up. Wow, is my first thought, Bruce. If both parties don't win, it doesn't happen. The Real Look. Trending News. G'day. Today's Wednesday, June 14th. I'm Bruce Hardy. And I'm Chase Williams. And this is the news you need to know. Well, Chase, Better Hold Co. Inc. is laying off its agents who work at its real estate brokerage subsidiary, Better Real Estate, LLC, and moving to a model that relies on partnering with outside real estate agents. The uh, troubled mortgage lender touted Better Real Estate as a crucial component of its plans to build an integrated end-to-end technology platform. Chase, this is not the first time we've reported on Better.com. So uh, what are your thoughts about this? Well, more layoffs, Bruce, and I know that's challenging news for the industry. Certainly having real estate agents that are employees of the company or W-2 employees is more the exception by far than the rule in our industry. And that can be really challenging in an environment where you're seeing less mortgage deals, therefore leads, because that's what they're generating is leads from their mortgage side of their business to pass on to those employed agents. It gets harder, Bruce, because even though the transactions and opportunities may be down, those W-2 salaries are not down. And so, you know, we certainly know that salaries and space are typically two of the largest expenses on anyone's P&L, probably no different here for Better Hold Co. and specifically Better Real Estate LLC. So tough decision, right? You've got all this salary sitting on your books and a lot less transactions happening. And when that math doesn't work out anymore, you've got to make some hard choices. Yeah. You know, I think it's really fascinating. Better.com was one of these little unicorn things that was able to attract a whole bunch of money on the front end, and they were going to totally reinvent how real estate was done. I mean, gosh, how many companies did we hear that? And by the way, back two years ago, three years ago, it was hard to sort of argue with them. They had more money than God, it seemed like. But what's really fascinating to me is how people who get into the business, who are looking to disrupt the business, end up morphing and looking more like traditional mortgage lenders or real estate companies or any of the other industries that serve real estate. Again, you know, we've been doing this for a long time in real estate. I think there's a reason why our salespeople are commissioned, right? Because it is a local business done by local agents with their sphere of influence and their marketing image. You know, the idea of turning an agent into a W-2 employee is that you get to keep more of the money. That doesn't work really well in a cyclical industry like we have. It does in the good times, but I I think I struggle with that in the down times. Well, and they certainly are, Bruce. I mean, they posted an $889 million net loss last year. So if that tells you how much they were struggling, and turns out that the flow of money is not never ending. (laughs) And when you're posting, you know, almost a billion dollar loss for a year, you're gonna have to make some tough decisions. And like you said, Bruce, the ability to keep or hold or garner more of the commission dollar of a real estate transaction is going to be largely tied to your control of the client, or you might think of it as the lead. When those started to dry up because they were funneling them through their mortgage business, then their ability to control that amount of the commission and pay out those salaries, you know, just was weakened. 
But, you know, Better's been in the news more than once for layoffs and not in the best way in terms of criticism around how they've laid people off and the type of notice they were given, if any. And, you know, this story talks about some of the severance being an insult based on one employee's opinion. But, you know, Better actually, their payroll peaked at around 11,500 workers at one point during the pandemic. And now 90% of those are gone, Bruce. So that is a massive, massive change. It was interesting at their peak in 2021, 90% of their business was refinance. And that's according to Garg, who was the CEO at the time. This year, 90% of their business is purchase. And it's probably 10% of the volume that they were doing back then in 2021. We'll watch this. You know, when you see somebody lose $883 million in a year, it takes a while to make that up. The Department of Justice filed its first brief in an appeal of Judge Timothy J. Kelly's late January ruling in favor of the National Association of Realtors. And according to the brief filed last Friday, the DOJ wants to resume its consequential investigation of conduct that affects over $100 billion in broker fees paid by Americans annually and states that it never agreed to reopen its probe into NAS clear cooperation policy and participation rule. The Department of Justice's Antitrust Division brings this appeal to restore its authority to investigate potentially anti-competitive rules, policies, and practices of the National Association of Realtors. Because NAR rules govern most residential home sales across the nation, they can have a significant economic impact on one of the most important transactions in many Americans' lives. So what thinks you of this, Chase? Well, Bruce, there's a common phrase that we've all heard before, and that is follow the money. So if you go back to the beginning of the story, $100 billion in annual fees. Now, that's going to attract a lot of people. It's going to attract those that would like to disrupt some of how that's paid or better yet, get their piece of the pie. And we just shared a story around layoffs considering one of those quote unquote would be disruptors. But it is also going to attract the eye of people like those in the Department of Justice. Not because anything's necessarily happening that's wrong. It's just a lot of money. Their job, of course, in part, is to make sure that anything that is happening is fair to the consumer and that no one's taking advantage of the consumer. And so they're trying to do that, right? You know, the thing about these lawsuits, if you will, Bruce, is just when you think they may be over, they're probably just beginning, right? Because of the process and the appeals and the additional briefs and then the time to respond, it's almost never over that simply. And so, of course, the National Association of Realtors will have an opportunity to respond by July 21st in terms of this appeal in the court. But the two kind of key pieces that are in question here, Bruce, and you mentioned them there at the top, was the commissions that are held inside of this clear cooperation policy, and then the participation rule, some of that dealing with pocket listings and otherwise. So those are a few of the key questions that the DOJ continues to point to that they'd like to investigate. It'll be interesting to see what the court says about this settlement that apparently was made before, and now they want to continue to investigate beyond that. Well, you know, I think it's interesting, right? According to the DOJ's most recent filing, the department opened the investigation into NAR after receiving a complaint from an industry participant 
and alleges that the clear cooperation policy was prompted by competition from upstart listing services and restricts the choices available to home sellers and listing brokers who want to market homes outside the NAR-affiliated MLS system and potentially excludes new listing services that seek to compete against MLSs for home listings. I get what the DOJ's responsibility is, right, especially with regards to monopolies. In all essence, I mean, NAR has a monopoly on the MLS system. But what I fail to see is how competition with multiple MLS systems would benefit the consumer because the MLS systems don't charge the consumer for that service, right? And having to go to multiple different portals or websites to find all of the inventory, I'm not sure really helps the consumer. You know, we reported on some of these upstart MLS systems, right, that were going around actually spending all their money suing NAR and everybody else in order to try and get a leg into the game. So, yeah, I'm not sure this has merit, but hey, I'm not an attorney or a juror. (laughs) Well, you can rest assured, Bruce, that the attorneys are going to win no matter what the outcome is. And they always do, of course. But you bring up a good point, Bruce. I think that Our current system for delivering information to the consumer is actually pretty sophisticated these days, right? We have concepts like syndication, where most listings are available on hundreds and hundreds of different sites so that wherever the consumer is looking, they can access the information that they're looking for. And that's typically of benefit to the consumer. One of the arguments around this commission piece and the DOJ in this briefing claims that by effectively affording sellers brokers control over what buyers pay their brokers, the rule could curtail price competition among buyer brokers. Potentially exacerbating these effects, buyer brokers could steer customers to higher commission listings or discourage sellers agents from offering lower commissions. I don't quite understand that, Bruce, and maybe I'm crazy here, so someone can correct me, but the seller themselves determines the commission that they're willing to pay and, oh, by the way, how it's split between the seller's agent and, in this case, the buyer's agent. And because we operate in a sophisticated system around the information being delivered to the consumer, it's near impossible nowadays for a buyer broker to steer a consumer away from a home that's available for sale. Right now, it doesn't mean that they wouldn't try, just like they might try to steer them away from a selling agent that they've had a poor experience with. We would hope that would never happen, but we also live in the real world. But at the end of the day, they're basically claiming that the seller's agent has control over the commission. And that's just not true, in my view. Maybe I'm missing something here. I agree with you. We talk about this price compression in our industry, right? In fact, if you look historically over the last 20, 30 years, commission rates have actually come down as an average. To me, that doesn't hold water. It could happen. Well, yeah, right. Okay, but it isn't. And I think you're right, Chase. We've created a really good system in this country for selling real estate. You know, in other countries, they don't have the MLS or the NAR. And I think what's being discounted as well, you know, NAR requires that all realtor members adhere to a code of ethics, which, by the way, that code was written to protect the consumer. That's right. I don't know. I I think everybody sees that money, right? The $100 billion. Let's see if we can't get our pound of flesh out of it. And again, you know, NAR's perspective on this was, look, we came to a settlement with the DOJ. Everybody agreed. And then the DOJ walked away from it. And now they want to reopen it. (laughs) Well, that falls right in line, Bruce, with a commonly held opinion of the government, which is, If it ain't broke, fix it till it is. 
<laughs> I love that. In other news, Real Trends and Tom Ferry, The 1000, which is an annual national ranking program showing who the top realtors and teams are in this country. These designees are recognized as the top 0.65% of more than 1.6 million licensed realtors nationwide. And by the way, the rankings are based on 2022 data. It's the rare air, Bruce, when you think of like the professionals in our industry based around number of transactions and sales volume. I thought it was pretty cool. You've got Keller Williams with 95 represented on the list coming in number two. And actually near 15% of those realtors at Keller Williams, Bruce, were in our region, the Northwest region between Idaho, Washington, Oregon, and Alaska. So obviously we're super proud of those individuals and teams, of course, that made the list. What I thought was not a surprise is that the average number of sides represented by those on the list actually dropped from the previous year, right? And we saw late last year, even halfway through the year, the number of transactions really declining. So that just shows that even the best of the best are never fully immune from what's happening in the industry, right? You can avoid some of it, but you can't necessarily avoid all of it, especially when you're doing that amount of business. We also saw that the average transaction size for teams on the list actually went up, whereas the average transaction size for individuals went down by about 12% last year, Bruce. What's your take on that difference? You know, we talk about this quite often, how important leverage is. And I think that's why you're seeing the teams getting their unfair share. They're highly leveraged. And by the way, they've got people who specialize in different aspects of the transaction so they can do more. What I think is really cool and what it's showing is this year's rankings found that a lower percentage of the thousand agents actually qualified in both sides and sales volume. And, you know, we talked about this market that we're in where we're seeing a, a dramatic drop in transaction count from over 6 million two years ago to probably this year to be somewhere between 4 and 4.2 million. And yet, because of the high average sales prices, we're going to see volume up. So we're going to see agents who are doing massive volumes because of the high average sales price, even though they may not be doing as many transactions. And then you have other markets where they don't have high average sales prices. And I worked in a market like that. You got to sell a lot of sheds to get on the podium. So I, I think that's what we're seeing. And the market is actually creating that for us. It is, Bruce. And it's a good reminder to those out there in the industry that this is still going to be an incredible year for total commission dollars available, even given the drop in units because of that average sales price. So there's still plenty of money to be made out there. $1 billion, according to DOJ, like in the last story. This is a great recognition of those that are achieving at the highest level, Bruce, and frankly, something to shoot for, for those that would love to make the list. There's a lot to be learned from these folks out there in the industry and what they're doing to capture their unfair share. Shout out to the Northwest region's very own Place Inc. out of Bellingham, Washington, who topped the list for the mega teams in terms of closed volume with just over $3.8 billion. That's with a B. $3.8 billion in sales volume. Outstanding job to Ben, Chris, and the entire team there at Place. Incredible. Well, that's the news you need to know. Don't miss this Friday's Northern Lights episode when we'll interview Mary Gilbert with Keller Williams Southern Oregon in Roseburg, Oregon. Thanks again for tuning in with us on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. 
Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe to The Real Look. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of all things real estate.